morning and happy Easter. I want to spend some time reflecting on the year that's passed and it's appropriate that we do this for two reasons. Firstly, it's been about a year since we were hit with the COVID pandemic. And I want to do this on Easter Sunday, a day of new beginnings, a day that celebrates life. Because with such advances in technology and medicine, COVID-19 was something I think many of us believed could not happen. 18 months ago, it would have seemed impossible that our world would be turned into chaos. And for all our advances in technology, with which we so readily turn, technology was not always our friend. It's great that there's vaccines being distributed. But technology in the middle of the pandemic was not always our friend. It was often a key vehicle for Corona's global spread. And as many uh, people, as they lived in the fear of death, many of us also became quite casual with mortality graphs. And the thought of death being very much in front of us, not just, a post, not just a future reality, was real. COVID-19 made us acutely aware of our frailty and our mortality. And today, as we celebrate Easter, we look back on a very difficult year. If you like, in biblical terms, a year of the valley where the shadow of death lurked over us. And yet today... The sun shines. It feels like it's the worst really is over. It feels like that for us here in Australia. We celebrate today new life, new beginning, and so Easter is so wonderfully relevant for us today. But what if we work through the worst of it? What if we, in our country, were facing the possibility of new waves of infection and death as many countries face this today. Could we celebrate Easter? Would the sun be shining not just out there but also in our hearts? Could we celebrate Easter today in the face of the loss of loved ones? Could we celebrate Easter in the desperate times, not just the good times? There's one thing I want to say this morning and that is nothing beats Easter. In the best of times, our joy does not surpass Easter because nothing beats Easter. And in the worst of times, Jesus' resurrection is exactly what we need. In his resurrection, our greatest enemy, death, has been defeated. Pain and suffering because of Jesus' resurrection have an expiry date. And more than that, because of Jesus' resurrection, he offers us resurrection. His resurrection is a promise of our resurrection, where the depths of our pain, the things that we face in life, will be transformed just like him into the heights of our joy. See, the resurrection of Jesus both prefigures and guarantees our own resurrection. Jesus offers us a life beyond death, the kind of life that we were meant for. Eternal life lived in a perfect world, in perfect bodies, and in perfect relationship with God and others. The very things 
that we know that we crave and that we know that we want, but in the middle of a pandemic, those things we want and need are threatened. And so what I want to show us this morning is that the resurrection is something that we can hope in. It's something that we can hope in the best of times and in the worst of times because nothing beats Easter. We're going to have a look at three areas of Christian hope. We're going to see that Christian hope is firstly grounded. It's grounded in the reality of an empty tomb. Secondly, we're going to see that Christian hope is an extraordinary hope. It's a hope beyond this world, from outside of this world. And thirdly, we're going to see that it's a personal hope. It's an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. So firstly, it's a grounded hope. And you might want to open up to Matthew chapter 28, our second reading there. Because we see in verse 1 that the tomb, that the women, those two women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, went to look at the tomb. See, the promise of the resurrection is great, but the hope of the resurrection is grounded in reality. Verse 1, after the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, has already told his disciples in advance that he will be raised. In some ways, this is not news to these women. But what's clear is that these women and all the disciples were not thinking in these terms. It's the first day of the week, and the two Marys, and John in John's Gospel tells us that along with Salome, go to the tomb. They've come in John's Gospel to anoint Jesus' body. They're coming not to anticipate a resurrection, they're coming to attend to a corpse. But that is not what they find. The stone is rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to show that Jesus is no longer there. They're met with this angel there in verse 6, and the angel says something very interesting. He says, come and see, there in verse 6, come and see the place where he lay. See the angel's invitation? The angel's invitation is an invitation into reality. Christian hope is a grounded hope. It's a grounded hope in reality. And as extraordinary as an encounter with an angel is, what does the angel do? The angel points these two Marys to the plain reality. The plain reality of an empty tomb. It's not immediately obvious that the empty tomb is evidence of the resurrection. Uh, The empty tomb is not denied by even those most opposed to Jesus. It has to be explained. And it has to be explained that that's the role that the angel takes on. But the angel's words there in verse 6, come and see the place where he lay, reminds us, and tells us about the essence of Christian hope. It is a grounded hope. It's a hope grounded in reality because Christianity is an historic religion. What we read in the Bible here describes what you would have seen if you were there. 
The resurrection that's being spoken about here is not a spiritual resurrection. It's not a kind of mystical resurrection that's being spoken of here. In fact, some Christians like to describe the resurrection in these terms. They feel that modern, sophisticated people like us won't believe in a resurrection because it's kind of superstitious. So they try and explain the resurrection in terms of the idea of the resurrection. It's not a literal resurrection. It's an idea. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a way of understanding the pattern of life, life and death, life and death. But this is not what the Gospel writers record. This is not what the angel points to. He points to reality. He points to an empty tomb. So firstly, Christian hope is grounded. It's grounded in real human experience. And the reality of Jesus' death and his resurrection is not simply an idea. It's a reality in history. So secondly, it's not just a grand hope. It's an extraordinary hope. And that's why we see these women encounter an angel. You see there in verse 5, the angel says to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. What's important for us to realise, as familiar as the resurrection is today, on Easter Sunday, as expected as it would be for you to hear about the resurrection today, it's not what, it's not what those who first encountered Jesus expected. The angel needs to explain to the two Marys there, to the women, he needs to, expo- he needs to explain what has happened. It's not obvious. They were at an empty tomb, but just because they were at an empty tomb didn't mean they immediately concluded that Jesus had risen. The role of the angel here is to point to something extraordinary, something out of this world. Now, some might think, well, I've never encountered an angel, and so therefore... This narrative that has an angel within it must be some form of you know, superstition or something that is not really believable. But I want to say the presence of an angel here at the tomb of the resurrected Lord Jesus is something that should give us great comfort. It's something that should provide a level of certainty to what has occurred. Because what we're claiming in Christianity and in the resurrected Lord Jesus is something extraordinary. And for the Lord Jesus to be raised from the dead, a power beyond us must have come. And that angel there in verse 2, we're told, is sent from heaven. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, this was God's work. It was the work of God in the life of Jesus, raising him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is an extraordinary hope. And this is a great hope because 
we are tapping into a power outside of us, outside of the controls of our world, outside of the limitations of our world. A power has come down and raised that man from the dead. And so as real as our hope is, as grounded in history as it is, it is also an extraordinary hope because a power beyond us has come in the life of the Lord Jesus. And that power, that power of the Holy Spirit is on offer to all Christian people. And thirdly, we see it's not just a grounded hope or an extraordinary hope. We see thirdly, it's a personal hope. A personal hope where these women encounter Jesus. So the women in verse 8 hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell the disciples. See, it was not an empty tomb nor the angelic authority although both those things would have been enough. It was not them that convinced those early disciples of the resurrection. They aren't open to the idea, really, that Jesus has been raised. They've been through the traumatic events of his crucifixion. They are afraid, we're told there in verse 8. And so that's why it's extraordinary there in verse 9 when they meet the risen Jesus. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Suddenly. You can imagine how sudden it would have been for those women. And he says, greetings. You see, we as Christian people believe in an encounter with Jesus. We believe that these women encountered Jesus. They didn't just see an empty tomb. They didn't just hear an angel, but they met face to face the risen Lord Jesus. And that tells us, it tells us something about Christian faith. It tells us that Christian faith is about encountering the resurrected Lord Jesus. It's like these women were not expecting what actually happened. You know how sometimes reality takes a little while to catch up? To us, it's like they're mugged by reality. And the transformation of Jesus' followers is one of the wonders and one of the most kind of cherished claims of Christian people throughout the angel, throughout the ages. To those who put their trust in the risen Jesus, an extraordinary change occurs within their lives. It was true the first disciples, and it's true for us today. The two Marys approached the tomb with deep mourning for their dead friend and teacher, but they returned in awe and had this joy amongst them, this joy mixed with fear. And despite the rumour of resurrection with which all the disciples heard, there was this scepticism, this unbelievable nature of what was before them. And we see that throughout all the Gospels and many of the encounters that Jesus has with his disciples. They're not met initially with wonder. Jesus is often met with scepticism. 
They can scarcely believe the reality that's before them. They can scarcely believe it. And for us in our modern world, we too can scarcely believe it. It's hard in a modern world to believe in the reality of someone dying and someone raising, being raised to life after three days. But here, here there's great encouragement for us as Christian people. That Jesus came to them. And if we're open to the idea that Jesus has been raised, often the Lord Jesus does come to us and he does meet us. I want to say this morning, if you're closed off to the idea that Jesus rose from the dead, then it may well be difficult for Jesus to come and meet you. But if you're open, if you're open to the idea that Jesus was raised from the dead, he often comes to meet us, not in the surety of our faith, but just in those little moments of exploration, of disconsideration, of thinking, could this be true? Could this change my life the way I want my life to be changed? Because that was the experience of the early Christians. Jesus was not the same as he was before. And those that encountered the Lord Jesus are never the same. There's a new quality about Jesus' own existence. And they were in no doubt that it was the Lord Jesus. And that he was alive forevermore. Death could not claim him. Eventually, they knew that the resurrection was irreversible. And it changed everything. It changed their lives. It changed their character. It changed what they lived for. James and John, the sons of thunder, became apostles of love. Simon Peter, this vacillating leader, became a rock-like man whose fearless witness built the early church. You see, when you encounter the risen Jesus, it changes your life. And if your life has not been changed, it may well be that you have not personally encountered the risen Lord Jesus. You might have known about Christianity. You might even think that the idea of the resurrection could be true. But I want to ask you this morning, have you encountered the risen Lord Jesus? Has he come to you with such power that your life is changed and turned upside down? Have you trusted him? Have you come to him by faith? Because when you meet him, when you meet him, he changes your life and you know that you've met him personally when your life is turned upside down. I want to close in this way. We lived for over a year, in the past year, with fear before us. But Jesus has a word to his disciples. He says there in verse 10, do not be afraid. See, what effect, what, what could come, what, what could they face, these disciples, that could change them in the way that the resurrection had? Well, there was nothing, because nothing beats Easter. Nothing can ultimately touch us because of the resurrection. These words offered by Jesus to those first disciples and witnesses of his resurrection were intended to encourage their hearts. 
the hearts of believers in every age and in the prospect of the resurrection. They were intended not just for those disciples, but also to remind us, to remind us that no matter what we go through, that Christians have no cause for alarm, whatever might come in the world, because nothing beats Easter. We know the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus shall appear again in the clouds of heaven, that the graves shall give up the dead when the last day comes and judgment shall be set, the books of our lives open, but there is nothing that believers need to be afraid of. We'll be clothed with righteousness that Christ gives us. We'll be found without spot or blemish. We'll be safe because of Jesus' resurrection. Nothing beats Easter. And that means that whatever we face in the future, we need not fear. In that first reading from Psalm 30, we're reminded in verse 5 that rejoicing comes in the morning. Weeping may remain for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Here in this Easter morning, there will be nights ahead. There will be difficulty, where there will be valleys, there will be darkness. The resurrection is not a promise that says we will not go through those dark times or those dark nights. The resurrection is a promise that as we go through them, the resurrected Lord Jesus is with us, and as we go through them, we know that there is a morning coming. There is a morning coming. And it will bring forth a day and a day that will not end. A day where there will be no darkness, where there will be no suffering, where there will be no tears. Rejoicing comes in the morning. Those two women rejoiced as they met Jesus in the morning. And we too can know that level of rejoicing, that level of joy that those women knew. Because there will be darkness. There will be difficulty. But the Lord Jesus is taking us through. He is taking us from death to life. He's already done it. He was raised 2,000 years ago. And what happened to him when we trust the Lord Jesus in faith? That is the expectation of the Christian, that we too will join him in that resurrected life forever. Let's pray that we too might know the joy of the resurrection in faith this morning. Amen.